Financial Mistakes by Age, part two, by the way, for my 40, 50, 60-year-olds. We're going to tell you all the ins and outs so you don't make those mistakes, or if you're a 20 or 30-year-old, so you know what to go ahead and prepare for. So excited to jump into this content today, Bo. It's Brian Preston, the money guy, restoring order to your financial chaos, retirement, investing, taxes. You've got financial questions. He's got financial answers. It's Brian Preston, the money guy. Welcome to the money guy show. I'm your host, Brian Preston. We're talking about the biggest financial mistakes by age and we're kind of continuing the conversation. We're going to be talking about the forties, the fifties and the sixties today. And Bo, I'm so excited because I'm in, I'm square in the middle of this forties version. And by the way, if you're just joining us, moneyguy.com, go out there, connect with us. We love people catching up on our archives. Give us your email address, and that's going to open up the whole world where you can get everything all the way back to 2006. I probably don't brag on that enough. So so definitely give us, you know, moneyguy.com. Give us your email address so that we can know who you are, where you are, and you can have access to all of our archives. So 40-year-old Brian, looking back and trying to type this up for you guys, it was kind of, it was awesome because I've shared with you guys, I've gotten, since I crossed the 40 mark, much more sentimental in life. And let's, let's be honest, you were kind of already sentimental to begin with, but you've certainly I moved. I think, I think it's definitely down. the 40s was across. I don't think I was as sentimental. I thought I was a more of a warrior through my 30s. I mean, you could probably sense that when you guys, guys go and watch the, the 30, the 20 year old, the 30 year old, I do want you to have the feeling that you can conquer the world. Sure. I really, I want you to feel like you can w- run through walls because of how much opportunity is out there for you. But it is going to come to you in your forties that you realize, okay, a lot of time has now passed. I can still accomplish a lot, but a lot of my life has kind of been set. I mean, you really do. And it, you, you, you kind of hit that fork in the road where Either the life is going to be glass half full, okay. meaning that you're kind of starting to see where everything is developing, the plan that you enacted in your 20s and 30s is taking shape, or you might be in that glass half empty fork of the road where you go, man, how did I get here? Yeah. I mean, I think there are people, and that's where those midlife crises, that's where you see more marriages fall apart, mm-hmm. that's where you see people making crazy decisions with their careers and other things is because they just wake up one day and go... I don't know how, I don't know how this all happened. And that's because they weren't giving the thoughts in their twenties and their thirties or, or maybe I don't want to blame it all on bad decision making. Sometimes life just happens. You know, bad medical things happen. Um, a career thing happens where you have your dream job, but then the rug gets ripped out from underneath you. This is definitely the time when you're in your forties where you're no longer, you're past that warrior stage of your life. And now you kind of have that wisdom of what does the next chapters of my life look like so let's kind of jump into this here's the first one i put on here was the failure the biggest financial mistake is the failure of recognizing the power of planning and and i'm a i'm a gen xer grew up in the grunge phase y'all know you you go out there and watch our episode on how awesome dave grohl is and i'm still hoping if i say that enough that dave grohl will eventually see it i mean i thought well you know i saw foo fighters when they came in town here to bridgestone you thought he might have mentioned you well i was i was pretty close because i I love foo fighters that much and we did a lot of planning ahead to make sure we had good seats I think we kind of made eye contact. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if he might have seen the you YouTube channel. You think he channel. recognized you? He maybe? might have, but he kind of made everybody. I think when he ran to the other side of the stage, he kind of made those people in the front seem like they were just as special as me. So I think it's just his 
his skill set. But Dave, if you want a tour of the office, have your people get in touch with our people. We'll set that you up. You know he comes to Nashville all the time. I, I mean, right. he's down, down in Memphis tasting barbecue just a few weeks ago, so there's no reason he can't stop stop by the money guy, and um, we'll hook you up. Tumblr? <laughs> oh, you're not even using the tumbler. I couldn't even use my display. Oh, Where's the tumbler? Mine's an ice water right now. Okay, let's let's keep this thing going. But failure to recognize the power of planning. And here's where I was going before I went on this crazy tangent. Millennials understand the power of planning. Because okay. I, I just talked about that Schwab research that was out there that said that millennials have 22% of them are hiring financial planners. Okay. 25% of baby boomers know the power of hiring a financial okay, so planner. For? Gen Xers, 16%. I mean, substantially lower. You grunge. You anti-establishment We're definitely man. out there. We're, we are outliers. So this is, uh, if you guys are not going to make the right decisions, you're really limiting or you're handicapping what your potential future could look like. So I want to help you guys understanding why this is important. Because especially in your 40s, I've already told you, you've graduated past the warrior stage. Now, your life, it's heavy, guys. I will tell you, as a 40-year-old, you think about career-wise, I have an enterprise here with employees, and you guys, even if you don't own your own business, you're probably in some type of leadership Mm -hmm. where you have a team that's looking up to you. So your decisions and your responsibilities are big in your 40s. Your family, you got kids probably. More than likely in your 40s, you got kids. You're trying to make sure you don't screw them up. I mean, it's believe me, all of us get our kids and we go, oh, my gosh. You know, nobody told me how this was all going to go down. Even if you come from a good family, you're realizing none of us really know what we're doing. I mean, <laughs> as, as much as nobody likes to admit that, we all are just falling forward, hoping that this thing doesn't run off the rails at any point in time. It was wonderful description of parenting I've no, ever No, it really is. And then you also, you add on top of the career and the family stuff, this is also a time where you better be gelling what your retirement and financial yeah. life looks like, because otherwise, this thing's going to get ugly in your 50s yeah. and 60s. This is really going to be ugly if you're not doing what you're supposed to. And then more than likely, by the time you're in your 40s, you've got some... Your footprints in the community yeah. too. People know, you know, you're 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 trying to get involved with your church or with your civic organizations, mm-hmm. with charities. I mean, there's a lot of balls in the air. That's why I picked on my 30 year olds in the previous segment, and I said, "Don't go seeking complicated because complicated happens naturally." Right. Here is your proof. I just named off everything that kind of at night you wake up going. Oh my God, did I get it all done today? Because life gets heavy in your 40s. So you better be understanding the power of planning because otherwise your life will just pass and sure. a lot of this stuff will just not turn out as good as it should. Um, here's the next financial mistake I think 40 year olds make is assuming you will live forever and not taking care of loved ones. I have got to tell you, I have had some very uncomfortable conversations where super successful spouses, husbands or wives, it depends upon who makes the money. And by the way, in this day and time, there are no stereotypes because I mean, it's there. We we see success from all angles. But one of the things that breaks my heart is when I will talk to the big earning spouse about, hey, you got to have life insurance, you got to have disability insurance and all this other stuff. We realize we don't sell insurance. I don't want anybody hearing this going, right. man, another one of these insurance hack jobs. No, I just want you to have the protection. Right. And it breaks my heart when the income-producing guy or girl will say, you know, I'm never retired. I'm going to work for It's fine. I love my job. 
things are good. Why? I think that's an expense that's just unnecessary. And, and that, that stuff bothers me. It's the same thing. Wills, healthcare directives, because they don't want to have the uncomfortable conversation sure. with their loved ones. They don't want to talk about, because maybe the, the spouses don't like each other's relatives. Yeah. So they, they're worried about, believe me, if you have a hard time as spouses talking about what's going to happen to the children, think about what happens when you're not here. That's right. I mean, so go ahead and have those, the, those discussions in, and, and, you know, early because it doesn't get easier and the ramifications from just sticking your head in the sand and avoiding it can be tremendous right. to your financial life. Um, here's another thing I put on here is another huge financial mistake I think 40 year olds make is getting distracted and investing in things that you have no business messing with. Yeah. I think it's, um, you know, I pick on the 20 year olds because you're in the 30 year olds because you're trying to get into, to, complex things because you think you that's the sexy side of what success does. The same thing kind of carries over for 40-year-olds. There's a reason they have these things, and you guys in the medical field, please forgive me, but they're called dumb doctor deals for a reason. Yeah. Should I have said that out loud? Ah, uh, well, it's... We still, dumb we doctor deals. Dumb. I mean, there's all kind of private placements, sexy, exotic investments that have... Doctors, I think these things, I, I would love to see that stat. I'd love to know the percentage of all these private placements that are funded through the medical field, whether well, it's doctors, dentists, and elsewhere. Did I go too strong No, with no, that? no. And so one thing I think that's interesting is, is in your 20s and 30s, you want to be able to access some of the stuff. So you go seeking it, you go look for it. Well, in your 40s, there's a chance that maybe you've had some success in your income or your assets are at a level. Well, now you actually do qualify for some of these types of things. And Rather than you having to go seek them out, they come and find you. Yeah. And you start getting bombarded with all of these once in a lifetime opportunities or these private black box deals or these things that you can't miss out on. Rather than you going and getting them, they're just showing up on your doorstep and you start buying into the hype of, Oh, maybe I do need to do this thing now. Or maybe this is the time that I go get my hand uh, in rental real estate or in de property development or in those sorts of things. And look, and that's not to say a lot of these things actually go probably turn out pretty good. Right. I mean, I, I have a, me and my neighbors have some discussions all the time and they've made lots of money. My only point on this is make sure you have your, your pyramid of building financial asses and checking the boxes. That was not a pyramid. Your, your pyramid's a circle. Well, that's because I didn't, I didn't want to put the top on it because that's where <laughs> I was going next was to put the top. You have to cover the base. You have to build your foundation. Okay. So then you can put your top. That's almost like doing YMCA, no, that's isn't awesome. it? Yeah. If you have to go on YouTube.com to see YouTube, go watch the hand but motions. It, that, what I mean by that though is that these things can turn out well. I'm just trying to make sure you cover the, the foundational savings goals sure. first. So in case these private equity deals where they're making you show that you're an accredited investor right. goes bad, it doesn't derail the rest of your financial life yep. too. It doesn't mean these things are bad. They're not, you know, I just, I want to make sure you keep your priorities right. Sure. Um, the last thing I'd put on here, I have so many people that want to talk to me because about rental property. I think it's because if you go listen to shows on passive income, mm -hmm. one of the easiest ways is through real estate. That's right. And look, real estate's outstanding. But sometimes. if you don't, yeah, for some, sometimes. But if you can't even cock your own, you know, house or you have trouble fixing any plumbing in your house, you probably don't need to be buying a rental property yeah. because you're going to get taken advantage of by every thing that goes wrong with That's this right. piece of property. So, so be careful. Just know what your limitations are and don't go getting distracted when you haven't covered your basic foundations. Um, 
Here's another big financial mistake, not having discussions about money with family members. And this yeah. is twofold because you've got, you got to look up to your parents and you got to look down to the kids. Mm-hmm. Both of these boxes need to be checked. When your parents are getting a little bit older, this is the age where you better understand what they've got going on. And, and what their wishes are. What are they hoping to accomplish? Because unfortunately, they too are going to begin being bombarded with folks who might not have their best interest at heart. I mean, well, and also you need to find out, I mean, I, I got to tell you, I have seen several stories of clients where parents were getting older and then they go in and they start getting a handle of what their parents have going on financially. Or maybe it's just one parent because one's already passed away and they're getting a little bit older where you find out that you have a parent that is hiding thousands of dollars in curtain rods oh, yeah. or in, yeah. I mean, there's all kind of crazy things. Or you find out that you're parents are paying money to some scam because they don't realize it's a scam you need to know what's going on with your parents financial life so that you can give them the guidance or at least be part of the discussion that doesn't mean you're trying to take away their independence you're just trying to make sure that we're all having discussion on it part part of this is selfless and the fact that you want to help your parents and you want to make sure that their quality of life is higher but there's a small portion of it that is selfish also because if you don't get these things figured out now you're going to have to figure them out at some point. And it's, it's much easier to do when your parents are here and available. Um, so let's cut to the kids. You got kids, and I've picked on the 20-year-olds and told them, please get out of the house as fast as possible. I'm trying to give you guys a head start in your 40s who have you know, teenagers. You need to go ahead and start laying the groundwork so that they're going to That's make right. good financial decision-making from childhood so that they don't live and turn into economic outpatient care adult children down the road. So go ahead and start making those investments now in your children when you're in your 40s so that they can hopefully be independent. Because that is, if you look at Millionaire Next Door, one of the principles of success that they talk about, the foundational items, is the fact of are your adult children taking care of themselves? Because that's going to help you tremendously. So the next financial mistake that 40-year-olds are making and this one is not financial, but it does have a financial impact, is neglecting your health. Yeah. Yep. Um, this is one, Bo, I'm mid-40s now. I have recognized, and I went into my 40s knowing this is because I had, a, fortunately, I had somebody, I had a pastor mm-hmm. who was not that much older. He's probably six, seven years older than okay. me. But he, I was in a, a small men's group with him, and he was sharing his journey because he was he was doing like half marathons and stuff. Oh, wow, like, yeah. And people asked him, well, why? Why did you start running? What got you in running? He goes, I turned 40. And I realized, you know, that I needed to do something. I'd never been a runner. I'd never been an exerciser. But my father had approached me because he was, you know, 50s, 60s and just did not have the same financial dexterity that he had when he was younger. And he pinpointed it to his 40s was that fork in the road moment. So this person manifested that into they started running. Right. Now, I don't have a desire. I hate running. I, I will tell you, if, if we started running right now, Bo, we'd get to the next block down in downtown Franklin. You'd be ready to stop. And I, my brain would already be trying to figure out why we could stop. <laughs> Excuses. So I have to find other things, you know, yeah. uh, you know, join classes and, and you know, or, or find something that keeps me motivated. And that's why I wanted to share with you guys. There's too many resources available right now out there to not get you involved with it, whether you might have neighbors. I mean, one of the biggest, saddest things I miss about living in Georgia is I had like three neighbors 
that we'd all go work out together like two to three times a week. We'd have Flex Friday on Fridays where we didn't do anything other than like completely beach muscles, beach muscles, even though, guys, here's the thing. I did this for years with these guys. Only one guy in this group, you could, he, but he looked like it before he started working out with us. I don't know if it's what was going on. So, but it's still fun, the camaraderie. And then yeah. it, I think there was health benefits sure. to, to having that camaraderie. But then there's now apps. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's all kind of classes. There's probably your, your, maybe your community rec department sure. is offering this stuff. So, so go find a way to get tied in. And then here's something that's cool that's come about in the last three to five years with this whole DNA. Unwinding of your DNA. Oh, yeah, you yeah. can now do the the twenty three and me and all this other stuff. Yeah. You can go be proactive to see what's going on with your 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 health. And then also I'd say take advantage of the 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 free physical. You know, part of the the whole affordable health health care reform is that your preventative care, like an annual physical, is now free. Right. I mean it's prepaid. It's not really free. That's not the, it's prepaid based <laughs> upon your insurance. So go take advantage of that because it's it's better to know on the front end of stuff. Even though it's really annoying when you go to the doctor and then they find something that you need to alter in your lifestyle. It's much better to find it as soon as possible than let something manifest and grow into something that, that could really derail your life. And here's the deal. I'm not forty so I can't speak for forty year olds. However, I do like to exercise and I can speak as an authority in that aspect. Me. Just like when you start saving money in your 20s, and maybe you can't save $1,000 a month, but you can save $10 a month, and you can start out a little bit, and those little small changes will have big impact. In your 40s, starting to exercise is the exact same thing. Maybe you can't go start lifting heavy weights all over your head and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but you can start walking every single day, or you can go do an app and do couch to 5K, or you can do something to start. Don't let the excuse that, oh, I'm too far behind or I'm so out of shape or I can't do this or I can't do that. Start somewhere and you will be amazed at your progress. And you're a meathead, so you can't say this, but for somebody who's been so out of shape that when you just did, basically picked weeds, you couldn't walk for three days. Um, when you start working out, there's a lot of, you, you get in your own head where you're scared to go to a gym. You're scared to do something because you're like, man, everybody will be looking at me. Everybody. Sure. Don't let that be. Nobody's paying attention to you. Uh-uh. I guarantee you. That's the thing. I mean, it is one of those things where you get in your brain and you just don't want to start because you just you come up with all these excuses. But if you'll just start the process, right. coming from a position of how low I was, just get the ball rolling. Bo can't say that because he's always been in good shape, <laughs> you know, with his whole athlete background and stuff. But I can give you that advice. Just start the process, and you're, you're, you'll think you're, thank yourself right. a month later. It happens that quick. A month later, you're like, man, this I'm starting to feel good. good. I hate this, but I love it at the same time. So, so just do it. Do something like that, and, and you'll be much more successful in all parts of your life. Right. I mean, here's – I don't mean to go on the sidebar, but when I'm exercising and I'm healthy on – from a health standpoint, a lot of the financial stuff yep. seems to, I don't know if I get more, it seems like more prospects show up. I mean, my, the, the my, quality of the content is better. My, I think that's better. I think my wife likes me better yeah, when I'm, you know, I just, even though I'm not sleeping as much because maybe I'm sacrificing sleep, it seems like things just are working yeah, better when, sure. when you're healthy. Um, let's kind of close down the mistakes for 40 year olds by talking about prioritizing investments. You know, I've been doing this exercise now for the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds. I'm saying, what does $1 turn into when you're 65 years old? When you're 40 now or 45, you only have 25 years or 20 years, which is still a long time, but it's not the same as the 45 years or the 40 years that a 20 and 25-year-old has. So if you think about 
you know, and but the number drops again. When you're saving in your 40s for 65, I dropped the assumed rate of return down again. You know, for a 20-year-old, I use 10%. Okay. 30-year-olds, I use 9%. For a 40-year-old, I dropped it down to 8%. Because remember, as the older you get, you are probably doing a glide path with your asset allocation where you're taking less, less risk. risk. Yep. Um, so you, you can't expect as much from your portfolio if you're dialing down that risk because you're doing this so you don't lose it all for the next great recession. Right. So a 40-year-old who puts a dollar away, growing at 8%, um, and for the next 25 years, because you're counting until 65, the end of your 65th, is $1 turns into $7. That's still pretty incredible. It's I not mean, double digits. About it, this is the first decade that is not double digits, though. Because remember, your 20-year-old self, a dollar turns into $88. I mean, talking about, woo. I mean, that is, that's a Ric Flair whoop. I mean, <laughs> that's big. I mean, $1 turns into 88 40-year-old, just at 20 years, turns out $88 into $7. Um, a 45-year-old, that $1 turns into $5. Okay. So you're, you're, you're starting to recognize, because here's the thing. If you're a person that made really good decisions when you're a 20-year-old, really good decisions when you're a 30-year-old, when we mention to you that your $1 is going to turn into $7, you're probably not freaking out because what that means for you, because remember, one of my financial goals, and I've heard a lot of you guys, here's... I think you should set financial goals as soon as possible. I had one when I was 30 years old. I wanted to make $100,000. Didn't make it. It took me until I was 31, 32 to make $100,000. By the time I was 40 years old, I wanted to have a million dollars liquid. Not counting house. I wanted to have a million dollars liquid. Didn't make that one either. It took me like 41 to, right. to, to, to reach something like that. It so weird saying that yeah. out loud. But But you'll notice... That if you take my example, if you reach a million dollars liquid by the time you're 40, when I hear that one dollar by the time I retire is going to be seven dollars, you do the math on it, you're like, wait a minute, seven million dollars at 65. That sounds pretty good. That doesn't sound horrible. That's right. But think about this. What if you're the 40 year old that has only a hundred thousand dollars saved up? You fast forward that and you think about yourself at 65 and you're saying seven hundred thousand dollars. I don't know if that's getting the job done. Right. So that's why I tell you, you have to recognize this is the time to wake up and understand that you have a lot of responsibility right. to put that army of dollar bills. So if you are one of those people in your 40s who didn't save like you were supposed to in your 20s and 30s, guys, it falls much more on your back to still let the money grow for you, but you also need to be saving. And that's why I tell you, if you're not doing 15, 20, 25% of your gross income and maximizing your employer match, maximizing all the retirement products like the Roth IRAs and so forth like that, you're really missing the boat because it's going to get even harder for your 50-year-old self and 60-year-old self. That's right. um, you know, kind of close out the 40s. As you can tell, this is a powerful decade, I think, for a lot of decision-making. I'm in the middle of this one. It's still an exciting time where I think you have enough time with 20, 25 years in the future that you can correct a lot of mistakes you might have made in the past. So, so take advantage of that and have the optim, you know, opportunity to have that glass half full moment in your fifties and sixties and be successful and have the financial life you always wanted. That's perfect. So let's talk about the 50 year olds. Fifties. I just, I love your naming for this because I'm going to read this and you said it. 
50s is that generation where you start disengaging autopilot and approaching the runway of financial independence. Well, I'm assuming the best for my <laughs> listeners because you're listening to a financial, you know, show. This is a podcast, YouTube channel. We're, we're, we're connecting with you wherever you want to be. And I assume if you're listening to this show, you probably really are by the time you reach your 50s, you are disengaging. Sure autopilot because you've paid yourself first you just had that money working for you now in your 50s you kind of you get to be the the person that sits on top of it all and figures out what is the vision plan for the next stage of my life how do i do this the way i want to do it and and this is also an important time where maybe if you're not that optimistic you really do need to be when you're in your 50s you need to be saving like your life dependent upon it because guess what your 60-year-old, your 70-year-old, your 80-year-old self, your life really it will depend, depend upon on it. it yeah. So you've got to save as much as possible. But here's a cool thing about once you cross the 50 mark. The government says, you know what? Let's give this thing called a catch-up provision to these 50-year-olds. Oh, yeah. Let's yep. go ahead and give them a sweetener in the tax code and let them save a little bit more. Yep. So I tell you, if you're over 50... You should take advantage of, because if you're waking up and realize I need to save even more than I've already got in the bank, take advantage of, for IRAs, it's $1,000 if you're over 50. I mean, so this year, on a, 55 to 65. Yeah, so you get to add on top of the base level contributions, you get to do a whole nother $1,000 on top of the 5500 that's base level. That's right. And then 401ks, they get to put $6,000 on top of it. So, so 18000 yeah. all the way up to 24500 Yeah, year. so that's six. That's a lot of money that you get to add to your retirement. And then HSAs get into it. You know, for 55-year-olds, it's not 50, but it's 55, you get to put another $1,000 in those HSAs. And remember, HSAs, triple tax advantage. We've done shows on that. But also, if you save enough for your insurance and you still have money left over, HSAs can be used for retirement. So your your 60-year-old, your 70-year-old self might thank you for funding those HSAs when you're in your 50s. So it's something to consider. Here's a huge financial mistake I see 50-year-olds make is not ending their relationship with debt. There's a time when you have to say goodbye. I mean, it really is. I mean, I think it's. we all, unfortunately, most of us have a relationship with debt. You know, because you think about your 20-year-old self, you get that first credit card. You're hopefully very responsible with it, not using it. Then you get your, in your 20s or 30s, you get your first mortgage. Mm -hmm. You know, probably your 20-year-old self might even have some student loans. So there's this... There's this ongoing, and I wouldn't say it's a love affair. It's more of a necessity affair. It's, you know, it's like an, a boss. <laughs> you know, it really is a boss. And you're trying to, to build independence and break away right. and end that relationship from debt. So I want you to be thinking about in your 50s, you know, I don't pick on you for having a mortgage. I, I do try to give you guidelines on how much mortgage you have. But I do want you to understand, I don't consider you truly financially independent unless you owe nobody for anything. And I know there's a lot of, because I've had discussions with people that maybe you could pay off your mortgage at any point in time by writing a check. But if you're putting that money in the stock market, if you're investing it, you might not be able to pull that money right. at the value you want it to be if you really got squeezed. Sure. So I'd prefer for you to be when you're truly walking through the path, the transition, the bridge of financial independence, um, being debt-free. So I, I want you to have no debt in retirement. So in your 50s, you ought to be thinking about that number needs to be decreasing. This is probably not the time to go buy a vacation home and add to your debt load. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to buy a vacation home, but that's what you're going to do. But you probably don't want to double your debt payment because you're trying to increase lifestyle at now, that point. Now, make sure, because we do, we got it, we got it. One of our clients wrote us. 
that bought a vacation property. Right. I don't know if you were on that email. Yeah, or yeah not. I was. I was. But um, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go enjoy the money. You'll hear me right. talk about you should use the spoils of your success, but. They didn't go take out a mortgage. They didn't go mortgage. Go it. It. They didn't mortgage their future. So that, that's a great point. I just want to make sure that we don't lead people astray yeah. because I, I don't want to, you know, a client right and saying, you told me I was okay to go buy that condo. <laughs> and then no, there, there's more going on there. Um, so here's, here's another financial mistake is not at least checking the box on long-term care. You yeah. know, long-term care insurance. I'm not telling everybody you need to go buy long-term care, but I do think you at least need to check the box. Mm-hmm of figuring out if it's something you ought to consider because there's a kind of, we call it a donut of coverage. There's either don't have enough resources to make it worthwhile or you have too many resources that maybe you could self-insure, but there is a threshold where you might fall into that you ought to at least go look at it because I got to tell you, I'm getting to the age now in my 40s where I have, unfortunately, I have several friends and um, some of these people I'm, you know, I I knew because they had a big part in my life that their parents are, you know, starting to have cognitive issues, you know, where, you know, and and that stuff freaks you out. And, um, I'm, you know, it's, it's something there's nice when they have protection. You know, it's not going to eat away all of their financial resources when you become disabled or you can't take care of yourself. Um, it really, think about this for your loved ones, but I'm not recommending, that's not an endorsement, but no, it's something just to consider. In your 50s, you need to at least do the analysis because if you wait longer, if you wait until your 60s or 70s, it becomes so expensive that you can't do it. So mm-hmm. in the 50s, you at least need to start having the conversations about whether it is something that makes sense for you and your family. Um, the next one is a big one for financial mistakes is not kicking the kids out of the basement. Does that sound too harsh? No, no, because if you, because you know, if you're in your fifties, your kids are probably in their twenties, thirties, right mm-hmm. around there. It probably is about that time for Baby Bird to, to to fly out of the nest. I mean, you've heard me say it. I said it earlier. Financial success. If you look at that millionaire next door, they talk about characteristics of those people who are the millionaire next door. Mm-hmm. Is one of the success traits is is that your adult children do not receive economic outpatient care. So so. Let's get those kids out of the nest as right. soon as possible. And it'll be, that's going to be best for them, too. While it feels like you might be helping them now, it's actually going to serve them better to allow them to begin to build their own foundation. Since we sounded so much like Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> you see how I brought in something from a previous show where we had to ask our uh-huh. YouTube video, you know, viewers what, what the answer was? This is The next one I have is not understanding the saying that it's better to give than to receive. Because yeah. all these other things, I've talked about kicking kids out of the basement and everything. It sounds like you're tight. You're kind right, of miserly. Right. I do think I want to encourage my people who are in their 50s. You've had success. This is the time where you can start thinking about, is there a way for me to pay it forward? And it doesn't have to just be with your kids. Maybe you can go mentor. Maybe you can go get involved in the community. You can go find organizations to, to give back with. I, I, I do think that there is a lot of benefit to sharing your wealth and your success and kind of paying it forward, you know. So um, I know we get picked on for talking about abundance, but I will say it that this is kind of what leads to podcasts and YouTube shows and other things because we do have this abundance mentality on things. Um, Let's talk about the 50-year-old and their investments. This is not as exciting as my 20-year-old, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, but here's where it is for 50-year-olds. Remember, when you're in your 50s, 
I'm trying to tell you what each dollar is going to turn into for when you turn 65. Mm-hmm. Now, once again, just like I did for 20-year-olds, I had them at 10%, 30-year-olds at 9%, 40-year-olds at 8%. I've dropped your rate of return, your expected rate of return, down to 7% okay. because you are taking less risk the older you get. You have to pull that asset allocation down. Um, I, I think a 50-year-old could expect $1 to turn into $3. A 55-year-old could expect $1 to turn into $2, essentially to double. So you, um, if you think about it in those terms, you're hopefully, that's where you're putting the cherry on top of the hard work you did in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. But it is one of those things, and that's why I started it off. You kind of see how we did a, a kind of a, a full circle there. I started off, I said, you in your 50s, you have to save like your life depending upon it. Now I'm closing it off and telling you, you have to save like your life depends on because this is the last time you have a chance for your money to double mm-hmm. or triple before you actually walk through that gateway of being retired at 65. Yep. So so use this as motivation just to put those final, final finishing touches on getting the life that you want to have in your right. 50s. Let's talk about 60s. When I, when I get to this one, I, I close my eyes because what I hear in the background is the Frank Sinatra song, My Way. Okay. Do, do you know that song? Oh about? yeah, yeah, I know that song. Well, what's cool about wait, that song? Wait, would you mind, can you sing a few bars of no, it? Just, no, I don't okay. sing it, especially like Frank Sinatra. I wish, <laughs> man, we we wouldn't be doing this financial show if I could sing like Frank Sinatra or Michael Bublé. But um, but here's the thing: is if you listen to My Way, he kind of goes through the different stages of his life, and I always I get kind of chills thinking about that. And I remember, I'm mid. 40s, so I'm right. sentimental already. I'm going to be just a sopping mess by the time I'm in my 60s. Is that you are hopefully at this point you're making the transitioning into the life that you built for yourself right. over the past decades. So you need to. I want to kind of give you the financial mistakes that I see 60 year olds make. The first one is is not understanding your relationship with risk. So much of your relationship with risk when you're younger, when you're a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, when you go talk to your first investment person, they, they give you this, this risk tolerance questionnaire. Right. So you understand risk tolerance. That's trying to figure out how much risk you comfortably can take sure. emotionally before you just make a horrible decision and say, sell, sell, right. put me right. on the sidelines. That's what risk tolerance is trying to figure out is how much capacity you have towards risk. But... In that concept of risk tolerance is another version of risk or type of risk you need to be concerned about, and it's called risk capacity. Yeah. Now, risk tolerance is how much you can handle. Risk capacity is how much your age or your time allows you to absorb. How much you should handle. Because believe me, yeah. there are 60 and 70-year-olds that are cowboys that are take a, they were entrepreneurs. They could take on as much risk, and emotionally, it's not going to impact them. However... They don't have the time to recover. That's right. I mean, if it takes six years, seven years for a downturn for their assets to recover, if they're in their 70s, that's problematic. That's probably going to really put a damper on their lifestyle in the future. So you need to understand your relationship with the risk and understand that there's two components. There's risk tolerance, but there's also risk capacity. That's why you cannot be taking the same risk in your 60s that you were taking in your 20s. You need to understand that You've got to adjust these things. You've got to lower your asset allocation to what you expect from the portfolio. But then there also is the other side of that coin too, right, Brian? So how many times do we get this question? Okay, uh, I'm going to start investing, and then when I get to 65, my portfolio is investing, and then what do I do? Do I just cash it out? Go to cash. CDs? Put in CDs. Uh, and that's not the prudent, uh, prudent decision either because if you think about retirement, if you're starting at 65 and we're going to have 
estimated life expectancy of 87, 95, 100 years old, you need to have a portfolio that can sustain that. And I just don't know that a portfolio of CDs or cash or coffee cans in the backyard is going to do that. So you need to understand really what your correct risk appetite should and could be. Yeah, so it's not going to be... It's kind of like a Goldilocks. You're not going to go to an extreme. You don't want to be too aggressive, but you don't want to be too conservative because, you know, if you think about inflation, man, it robs you like a bandit in the night. So you be careful. You don't want the, as we get into higher interest rate environments, it's great that your savings are earning more money, but you want to make sure that, you know, cost of living is not eating away at the principal value of that money. And that's probably a great transition into the the next big financial mistake is not appreciating the size of your enterprise and making and treating it accordingly. Mm -hmm. Uh, What I mean by that is it's not uncommon by the time you're in your 60s, I mean, your assets like a small corporation. If you think about it, I mean, you you know, what are corporations, what, what differentiates a big corporation from like a small business is, you know, a small business starts out and it has, you know, just the owner and he's out there toiling in the fields all by himself, you know, trying to make sure that he's, he's generating business, paying the bills. But by the time it turns, uh, that small business turns into a corporation, you got, you got a lot of employees. Uh-huh. You got people that are doing the work you don't want to do anymore, right. you know, so the enterprise is completely expanded. But I'm shocked when we talk to 60 year olds who are so good with their money, but they, they're so scared. They're so tight about spending money. They will make a $200,000 mistake by meaning they have the wrong asset allocation. Yeah. They'll make the wrong or have lots of cash sitting yeah. on the sidelines. Losing money to taxes. So that they don't pay $10,000 in fees. Yeah. I mean, we see that all the time. So give respect to the fact of how big your financial enterprise is. Maybe this is the stage where, you know, I'm hoping you don't wait until your 60s, but, you know, I'm hoping you look at this in your 40s, you look at this in your 50s, look at this in your 60s. You will get to a size of your assets that you don't feel comfortable making the decisions anymore. And that's try to get somebody who will help you be your teammate, collaborate with you, look over your shoulder and make those right decisions. But what you have to, you do have to make sure of is that that team, that, that person you're partnering with, that teammate that you're getting, you need to make sure you get a good one. Because unfortunately, another big mistake that we see people make in their 60s all the time is they align themselves with the wrong person, maybe sells them a product they don't need. Now, being sold a product that is very good for the person selling it, right. not necessarily good for the person that's getting it. Now, I'm going to give you two examples. I, I feel I get nervous when I say this because everybody thinks I'm throwing an entire industry under the bus. And and there is that risk, but that's not what I'm saying. Because some of these things do have some planning opportunities. Mm-hmm. It's just you I want you to be aware of understanding how everything works and knowing if this really is you've checked all the boxes to know right. if these two products make sense for you. Because we see it, but when you talk about being sold a product you don't understand, you see a lot of annuities lot. that are sold to yeah. people. You see a lot of, you know, there's a reason that you see so many commercials for reverse mortgages. And like I said, these products might fit into your sleeve of what you need, but you just be careful if that's, if all times, every day, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, your advisor is always recommending an annuity or insurance-based product. It might tell you a little bit something, but that, that doesn't mean that these products are all bad. It just means you just need to make sure that it fits into your, your portfolio or your basket of how your financial life is run accordingly and correctly. Um, So here's the the part that I pick on 60-year-olds. I pick on 50-year-olds about this too, but it really felt like this was the time to look at was failing to enjoy your financial life you have built. Yeah, There are so many horror stories out there 
of people who have saved, 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 lived like no one else so they could have this life. And we encourage that. I love people to invest for the future, defer gratification. But there does come a point that you kind of, if you're not careful, you can let all of your life go and you leave the money to your, only to your kids. That's right. I mean, because you're, you're living too miserly. You're not enjoying the fruit of your labor. And you, look, if you have trouble spending your money, here's a, a, a truth of the matter I can tell you. Your kids and your, and if your kids don't, your grandkids for sure will enjoy spending your money. That's because, right. I mean, you know, the cycle of wealth is, is that, over 80% of millionaires are actually first generation. Well, how in the world could that stat be true if kids and grandkids weren't spending the money? I mean, that's because that that's what happens be, yeah. is, is it first generation makes it, second generation, third generation, meaning kids and grandkids go through those assets and then the cycle repeats right. itself all over again. So make sure you understand that you've worked hard. Go enjoy some of this money. And it doesn't necessarily mean you go out and spend it all. You may very well enjoy this money by, you know, lavishing it on other people in the sense of maybe you take the family, the whole family on a big vacation, or you pay for the cruise, or uh, you provide some education assistance for college. There's nothing that says you can't do that because how wonderful would it be to get to see your loved ones benefit from the fruits of your labor rather than just inherit it and you don't ever get to see it get enjoyed. So I'll, I'll leave it at that because it sounds like we're picking on, you know, go out there. and So that one, that was a, de- a delicate walk. And we've, we're actually going to do more content on that in the future sure. because it is such a delicate walk, turning from saver to spender. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think be generous and, and actually enjoy your money, That's your right. fruit while, while you're on the, uh, you know, above ground, as they say. So the last thing, and that's kind of a weird segue, but I'll, I'll take it, is not making your wishes known. I think a lot yeah. of financial mistakes are made is that you just assume it will all work out. Unfortunately, we're only here for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, nobody's living forever. We can extend the thing, you know, your life expectancy, but we're at some point we all are, are making that an path exit. Yep. and exit. So make sure your, your, your loved ones know and your, your you know, your medical treatments, um, any sentimental assets and where you want those to go. Because here's the thing that breaks my heart is that you have a family that is so functional, things go so well, but then maybe there's some assets left and you see siblings, the kids, don't talk anymore yeah. because they got in a fight over. And it's not always the money. Sometimes it is the money. Sometimes it's over sentimental it's stuff Granddad's too. watch you or know, something Because like people yeah. want to own a nugget of that person that's no longer here. So those, those sentimental things can sometimes be even more valuable and cause more strife than, you know, the million-dollar house that, that, that you would think would cause more trouble. Sure. So make sure your wishes are known. And then, um, you know, be smart about having those conversations right. about what, what should happen. You're not going anywhere for 20 years is our hope, 30 years, 40 years. We want this to be a three- or four-decade-type growth endeavor. But you just want to go ahead and make sure that you checked all the boxes. The same reason that I have 20-year-olds buying life insurance, same reason I have 30-year-olds buying disability insurance. Right. You don't want to use any of this stuff, but you're at least going through the steps and understanding the value of making good financial decisions. Also, I, I tell people when you're in your 50s, when you're in your 60s, especially my successful people out there, find a way to share your knowledge yeah. with the younger generation. I love seeing people pay it forward not only financially, but also with the skill set that has set you out there to be successful. Because you guys who are out here listening, if you're a 60-year-old listening um, to a podcast or watching a YouTube channel, you're already so yeah. unique 
make sure that somebody is being able to to exponentially grow their future because of the knowledge you shared. Because remember, what I started this entire show off with is that wisdom comes from experience. And unfortunately, a lot of that experience and wisdom comes from making mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes. You might have made mistakes. Why don't you find somebody to love on with your knowledge and share it? And, and it's just fulfilling to watch people you train go and be successful as well. So, so go find somebody to mentor. Go find somebody to share that knowledge. I have loved going through these decades, yeah. but this yeah. has been a lot of fun. I, you know, it's unique that we break a show into two parts, right. but if you've been with us for all of them, and maybe you just came in on the second part and you miss what should happen for 20 and 30 year olds, go back and check out that previous part one episode, episode of financial mistakes by age group, because there's so much to learn. And if the sooner you figure this stuff out, the sooner you can have that army of dollar bills going beyond common sense and working for you harder than you're working with your back, hands, and brain, and um, just having the life that you so wanted and planned for and just being successful. So I'm your host, Brian Preston, with Mr. Bo Hansen. Go to moneyguy.com. You can get all of our resources, all of our shows, all the way back to 2006. We'll talk to you soon. The Money Guy podcast is hosted by Brian Preston. Brian Preston is a principal with Abound Wealth Management. Abound Wealth Management is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Security and Exchange Commission in accordance and compliance with the securities laws and regulations. Abound Wealth Management does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Money Guy podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment or legal advice.